Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Space Cadets. Welcome back to the Space News Pod, your daily source for space, science, and tech news. Colorado, near Denver, they're going to have a freaking spaceport. And I'll get into that in just a moment. But first, I want to say thank you to everybody who's been subscribing to the pod. We've really seen a jump in people doing uh, reviews on iTunes, which is super important. And therefore, it's pushing us up the ranks a little bit. So I really do appreciate you and appreciate you spending your time here with me today listening to this awesome story about uh, Colorado. And if you're in the Denver area, let me know what you think. Go to Twitter at Space News Pod and Facebook at Space News Pod. Let me know what you think about the spaceport and how it might affect your life. So there's a new air and spaceport slated for construction at Fort Range Airport which is it's a few miles southeast of Denver International Airport and the Colorado Air and Spaceport will be a dual facility that'll be able to accommodate the growing demand for space travel and exploration in the United States. Dave Ruppel, who heads the program, said, we're the number one aerospace per capita economy in the country. There's a lot we can do in terms of small satellite, space tourism and research. And he goes on to say the space planes won't take off like big rockets, but more so like regular jets. He said, when it comes back into the atmosphere, then it re-engages as jet engines and it flies back to the air and spaceport and lands just like a conventional aircraft. I believe he's speaking about something like uh, Virgin Galactic, something where you have a space jet, space tourism sort of jet. And instead of a giant rocket like a SpaceX rocket or, you know, like an SLS or something like that or Blue Origin, it's more like something that gets shot up into space like a jet. It, get, it has a mothership and it has a jet. comes back down and it lands like the space shuttle, lands like a normal aircraft. And therefore, there's not going to be a huge boom in rocket activity at this spaceport. And he also said that the increase in space travel and exploration will impact how people get around on our mother planet Gaia the Earth. And he said, right now, it's space tourism. Next in line is to figure out ways to do point-to-point travel. A trip to Tokyo, for example, from Colorado, today takes roughly 13 hours. You could do that trip in an hour and a half with a space plane. And he's not wrong. These sort of spaceports and these sort of new uh, space tourism ventures, they can really shape the way that we travel in the future. And this extension to the Colorado Air and Spaceport should begin within five to eight years. Additional runways will be needed. 
and it'll cost it about eight to ten million dollars. Usually these things go over cost, though, so I'm guessing more like 15 million. But, you know, you never know what's going to happen with these things. But it's going to take five to eight years. That's five to eight years. People will be able to launch into space from Colorado. How great is that? I mean, say you're going to Denver for a football game, Denver Broncos, and you have like an extra couple days to to do fun stuff. And one of these things, one of these fun things is to, well, you can just go to space now. That's a fun thing to do. You might have a couple hundred extra thousand dollars and you can go to space and you can do it straight from Denver. These things are popping up all over the place. And as long as the architecture is there and as long as the business model is there for people to use the spaceports, well, people will use the spaceports. There's a supply and demand here. People will want to do space tourism also want to launch smaller satellites. Virgin Galactic can do payloads like that. And other companies are starting up. They can also do small payloads. Now I'm going to take a quick break to pause for the cause, pay some bills, and I'll be right back with some more space science and tech news for you. So speaking of the Denver region, have you ever heard of the Lyman Alpha Mapping Project? Well, the Denver Museum of Nature and Science helped this project by creating its website and video and exhibitions showcasing the lamp instrument. Now something really cool happened with this lamp instrument. It has shown that there's migrating water molecules on the lunar surface. This shows that the moon is not completely arid and it's known now that it has its own water cycle. Not comparable to something like Earth because ours is tremendous, but it's a very small water cycle, but there's water moving around on the lunar surface. And up until about 10 years ago, scientists thought that the only water on the moon was in small pockets of ice hidden away in dark and shaded craters near the poles. And using the UV spectrograph known as the Lyman Alpha Mapping Project, which is the lamp instrument on NASA's Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter, the LRO, a team of scientists have observed water molecules hopping around the day side of the moon. And these water molecules, well, they're more common in higher altitudes, and they temporarily stick to the layer of regolith that coats the lunar surface. But once the temperature begins to heat up around local noontime on the moon, the molecules thermally desorb and bounce to a nearby location. But these molecules aren't confined to this new location. They don't just find a cool spot of the ground to gather. They can also cling to the moon's extremely tenuous atmosphere or exosphere and trickle back down when temperatures start dropping again. Dr. Kurt Rutherford, the principal investigator of the LAMP instrument from the Southwest Research Institute in San Antonio, Texas, said, This is an important new result about lunar water, a hot topic as our nation's space program returns to a focus on lunar exploration. And now these aren't big puddles. You know, these, this isn't something that an astronaut could walk up to dip their hands in like an old timey Western guy and, you know, drink out of a creek or something. These are water molecules. These are tiny. These aren't anything. And as far as we know right now, this isn't something that we can live on. So it's really important that this stuff is here, but there needs to be more science done to find out how much is actually there. They used to think that the source of most of the moon's surface water came from hydrogen ions in the solar wind and this thin veneer of water droplets would dissipate completely when the moon passed behind the Earth and is shielded from the solar wind. However, 
This new data from LAMP shows that this is not the case, and instead water builds up over time rather than rains down directly from the solar wind. And Michael Pawson, who's a research scientist at LAMP, said lunar hydration is tricky to measure from orbit due to the complex way that light reflects off of the lunar surface. And he goes on to say previous research reported quantities of hopping water molecules that were too large to explain with known physical processes. I'm excited about these latest results because the amount of water interpreted here is consistent with what lab measurements indicate is possible. And this new data is currently the only set of measurements providing daytime coverage of the moon's hydration cycle. And it is the first time that the UV absorption signature of H2O has been used to detect water on a rocky, airless body. So that's the end of the episode. Pretty cool stuff. Good job, Denver. You did some cool stuff in this episode. I want to say thank you for taking the time out of your day to spend it with me. And I also want to say thank you to everyone who subscribed to the pod. I really do appreciate it. Everyone who's left a review, you're amazing. Thank you to my sponsors. You're making this thing possible. All the sponsors, everyone on Patreon. Thank you. So this has been the Space News Pod. My name is Will, and I will see you soon. (laughs) 